Welcome back to the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each and every day. From the basement of the Ivory Tower, my name is Frank Cole. And from the brink of sanity, I am Chris Tunkinson. And this is episode 116, recorded on September 29th, 2023. I, man. You know what really grinds my gears? I am so tired of this cycle. It drives me insane. We, we, keep, we keep doing it. Every company, it happens every time. Uh, long-time listeners will probably remember way back when we, st- when we started. I know we had mentioned it occasionally about HipChat. I was, uh, HipChat came onto the scene, and it was the greatest thing since email, in my opinion. I freaking loved HipChat. It was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. It was a great product, and... It didn't evolve, and they, I'm not. I'm not going to rehash it. But like HipChat got supplanted by Slack. Slack yeah. came along, and of course, Slack is very well known now. Uh, came along, uh, did a lot of the same things HipChat did. Did some things it didn't do. Did some things that it does do better. HipChat also kind of destroyed itself in the acquisition to Atlassian, and and eventually they gave up on it as well, and it basically died. And uh, yeah. ignominious death. And um, so Slack sort of took the top spot and it was pretty good, especially early Slack, like early hip chat. Very, very good. It was a good, good product. Uh, they have since gotten acquired by Salesforce and they have rolled out. <sighs> they have rolled out the dreaded UI refresh. Mm. Every freaking web product does this. They they start out at a, at a baseline where the the UI is heavily focused on serviceability. It works. It's really good. It doesn't have the soft edges. It doesn't have the rounded corners. It doesn't have the polished custom glyphs and icons. But it gets the job done. But it gets the job done really, really well. And then these companies, which get, is, which is why people adopt it in the first place. Cause it does why the germ adopted it in the first place. Cause it did the germ. It took their germs. And then they get some level of success. They start to get some momentum. They get some cash. They get a little more flexibility in, okay, what do we do next? They have figure out the next big thing. And some places do a good job with that. They'll parlay it into, you know, new features and they expand things like that. My, my, my ever, my, my perpetual go-to GitLab, perfect example. They have just added and added and added, and all of their stuff is really good. They've made really good decisions about that stuff. Other companies or other times will say, you know what? We need to change something. Why? Because reasons. And that seems to have been the case with the Slack UI. So Slack has introduced a, a, a UI rollout. They sent an email to all of their users about it, touting its efficiencies and how amazing it is and get to know it. And here's your guided tour. Let me, let me, if, if you're not using Slack, I'll, I'll spare the details. The new UI is crap. It is utter garbage. They have made things harder than they, than they were before. 
all in the name of some effort to, I, I don't know, minimize or simplify their navigational elements. And, and it doesn't work. Um, and I, I, it just, it drives me nuts. I'm just so sick of this cycle and companies falling into this cycle. So a couple specific examples that absolutely drove me up the wall about this one. So first of all, for regular Slack users, you know that your spaces would live on the left-hand side. They had this pretty interesting navigation where the left-hand left hand navigation actually had a tiers where the outer tier on the far left was the various spaces, and then there was a navigational element inside of that, and it was all the stuff relating to whatever space you happened to be looking at. Well, they got rid of that outer tier and smashed everything un- into a summary view. So like all the, they, they collapsed it and it became an icon on this new outer left panel. And this new outer left panel has a home button and DMs and activity and some other things that are specific to, an, uh, to a space. And then the spaces themselves are smashed together in this summary view. Well, this is annoying because now I have to click twice to get to my spaces and I have no way it shows me a notification dot on the group that I have a notification from some other space, but I have to open it to see what space gave me the notification. So yeah, it's you, you have, you have hidden information from me. You've made it harder for me to navigate. And then in exchange for that, they, there's now the, the, where the spaces bar used to be. They now have those things. I said, DMs activity later, and then they have the dot, dot more. And they've got some of their new features called canvases, which I think are dumb and automations, which I also think are dumb. Um, it's a chat app. I don't need to worry about automations in the UI. Like I will build my chat ops. Like I need your API page on your website. I don't need something in my daily user driver UI to talk about automations. Like, come on. And so but how, but, but how will we manage this at scale? <laughs> so, so, and those things, the DMS and the activity, and then things that you bookmark, they were all, they were all in the top level navigation for any given space. They were at the, at the top of the list. I saw my threads. I had my activities. I had my idea. I didn't need a separate bar for this. And so now you have added more crap that I already had and it was in a more sane spot. So it's just dumb decision after dumb decision, all for the sake of newness is really, they'll, they'll say, no, no, it's, it's more efficient. And we, and, and I'm sure they hired some kind of UI. I mean, this is Salesforce, so they've got tons of money to throw at this. I'm sure they hired some, UI UX flow artist to come in and and see about doing the changes, but they're making changes for the sake of making changes, and it's all deleterious. Like it's it's no, just dumb. No, it's just no. They are making they're not making changes for the sake of it. They're making changes that benefit not the end users but their enterprise customers. That's what the problem how, is. Well, hold and on. so to how the so? end users, how so, to though? the people that matter their changes for the sake of it because they degrade the experience. You can see examples where an enterprise will roll out advanced features and new functionality, blah, 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 and do it in a way that respects the workflow for the majority use case. This is just not that example. They just said, okay, well, now all these things are equal and maybe we degraded the end user experience, but 
you know, but this what, is here it, for somebody else. Well, you, you <clears throat> made the point that they did this for the sake of their enterprise user base. I, I still, I don't see even that benefit. I don't see where the, I don't see the, I don't see the trade-off. Like it, it's, it's, I see the demonstrably worse part for the, for the end user. Cause that's my role. And I manage a few spaces. So I'm not seeing a real benefit there either. Although my use case is light, I wouldn't consider my use case of Slack to be an enterprise admin at this point. Although I have done that. Um, I don't see anything in this UI that even in my past experience, I would say is a big benefit. So like, I, I don't know who they're pleasing. That's just it. I don't see. Not you. Well, no, right, but it's I, don't, not I, you. I can't it's even not, envision who that person my, is. I don't think they exist. That's my point. You're not the customer. Well, who, that's, that's right, my only who point. is? I like, don't I don't know. It. Enterprise, you're talking about Salesforce, brother. Yeah, but. Enterprise. Who, I don't, you, you say enterprise like that means anything. Like who, who what No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. This is why the state of enterprise is as crappy as it is because it's nobody. It's everybody. It's, it's, it's a committee somewhere. And that's what this is. It's designed by a committee. It's not, it's not one thoughtful person thinking through the user journey and interaction. It's a committee decision. So, this is no so, surprise the, so the beneficiary are the people who set out to do the design in the redesign in the first place is what you're saying. It's like they did it for themselves because they thought that this was it. This was the, a good thing to do, but there is actually no true end user benefit to this. It's just the people who designed it, who you know thought this was a good idea, and then thought about what to I'm, do. Is I'm that what you're saying? I'm I'm speaking a little out of turn. This is informed by, I think, an unending list of other examples we've seen where a product gets nerfed to service the longer term strategy of the enterprise and enterprise customers rather than the end users, right? If you look at Skype, we, we talk, you, you want to open about, about HipChat and, and Slack, Skype's got to be a part of that conversation because Skype circa 2010 is better than any AV chat we have now. Okay. The, the audio and yeah. video fidelity of an end-to-end -end encryption, the actual meaningful features of Skype video chat from 10 or 15 years ago mm -hmm. is better than what we have today. Current state of affairs with Skype, with Zoom, with whatever else, right? Right. Why? Because Microsoft bought them and then had their own agenda. And that agenda did not necessarily include putting the end user at the forefront of every discussion. So you're asking like, well, who actually is the enterprise customer? You're asking for a specific, I don't know. I'm projecting a little bit. You and I have both seen over the course of what, the last 20 years of technology experience, cases where somebody has an idea, company is successful, company gets bought by a bigger company, and then incentives from an end user perspective of the original purchased entity get perverted and then design and user interaction and interactive design information architecture all starts to deviate into a degraded experience. So I, like, I don't have any special knowledge. I okay, wouldn't pretend I to know exactly who the customer is. It just fits into the fact, the fact pattern right now. I sound really smart because I said fact pattern. Um, <laughs> I'll give you another great example. This is something my wife and I were complaining about just the last night. We uh, we bow to the, the 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 holy fruity empire, right? We we purchase uh, Cupertino devices around here, and the reason that I ever got an iPhone in the first place is because I had an iPod, mm -hmm. and my phone was breaking, and I kind of wanted a camera. And I hate carrying things on my person and I could get three in one. So I bought one of the new iPhones because it's all three in one. One of the reasons that I was such in love with the iPhone is that the navigation, the user experience for navigating 
music and podcasts was just so uncomplicated, mm-hmm. so straightforward. I don't need a thousand features. I want to be able to find the music that I'm interested in and push the play button, right? Now, fast forward to 2023, we were just complaining last night that the the music app that Apple publishes on, on the iPhone mm-hmm. is an abomination. <laughs> it is very difficult. It is... I'm a, I've been in the Apple ecosystem for now 15 years, right? More than 15 years. I've been in the Apple ecosystem. I've had iPods. I've had iPhones, all the things. Mm-hmm. And I'm a technologist. So I think I know something about it. Yeah, a thing or two. Maybe. I don't know how that app works. I don't know what music is on the device versus what music is going to be streamed from the cloud. I don't know what my library means anymore. I don't know where that data is coming from. I don't know how to find things that are... It's it's you can do it, but you can filter what you're seeing to just what's on the device. So you're mm-hmm. you, you know all of even just something as simple as there's a song playing and you go to navigate somewhere and it minimizes the song to like the bottom twenty percent of the screen, right? Okay, I want to bring that song back up full screen. You click on it. Sometimes it you tap on it. Sometimes it brings up the full song details. Sometimes it brings you to the album. Sometimes it restarts the song like it's it's not clear how to do the simple things that a music player should do anymore mm-hmm. i think it's the same thing yeah. they had success they had a killer app it was banging at one point and then somebody got it in their head that it required a redesign because reasons and mm-hmm. fundamentally broke it it is fundamentally trash now in that case i know exactly what it is they want to push the streaming services because Apple, like the rest of the Valley, has figured out that subscriptions is where you get your money. So they're trying to push you into the cloud as much as possible. So they want to de-emphasize right. your library or your downloads. They don't want you to worry about that. They just want you to better find whatever you want whenever yeah, you want it. Yeah, whatever, whenever. Use because our subscription, you, just pay this monthly fee. Because Yeah, exactly. Because then if you ever turn that off, all of a sudden, all of my music is gone. Where is it? Right? And so the, right. the incentive there is very clear. Um, but even so... I am not convinced that they did the best job in laying out the information architecture and flow of that app, even if that is their end goal. It's confusing. Right. It well, is even downright if, confusing. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I think that, so, all right, so your definition of enterprise, it actually, uh, it makes sense. And it made me think of um, one scenario, the, the an additional scenario where the of what might have happened here with Slack, and I think this could apply to the to your to your Apple analogy too. Um, they could be building UI components and changing the UI in a staged, stepwise fashion to set them up for to part set of the them up for some vision. some few exactly yeah. for some strategic vision. So at some point, the Slack app is going to become the Salesforce app, and it's all going to be some unified thing. And rather than well, that your, being your a, whole, a very your, your dead. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, I, okay. I apologize. Uh, okay. well, your your whole thesis about Salesforce trying to be the carbon atom of the the business. Uh, this applies it's a, to it's Slack. They realize carbon is a molecule. Okay, science. Let's 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 like get the science carbon, right. It's a molecule. Car- carbon carbon a, is an atom, my friend. Carbon's a molecule. Car- the carbon definite. is an atom. Are we sure? A molecule sure? is. I'm I'm pretty sure. Is carbon an uh, atom or a molecule? All right. I'm, I mean, hey, I'll own atomic it number. Wrong. Atomic number six. It is an element. Oh God! It is an element. I'm an idiot. Um, 
So, so Salesforce being the carbon atom, like that's a really good, that's a really insightful uh, commentary about Salesforce. I think what they realized is that Slack was becoming the carbon atom of workplace communication, and the the myriad ways in which that dovetails with their broader broader strategic mission. Like you are absolutely going to start seeing a ton of bleed over there. Yeah. Um, so I, so I, I think, yeah, I, I, there may not be an immediate thing. Like, what's the feature that they're delivering that requires all these changes? Might be nothing. It's yeah. probably to set up phase two. Could right? set up phase two. Uh, that's, that's Which wasn't that in the Avengers, wasn't phase two, wasn't what they, they made all the Hydra weapons with the, uh, with the, the hypercube? Phase, phase two, I think phase they called two it. Yeah. Was, phase two was, was all the. Was Ultron. Was that was that it, w- the the phase two of the MCU was what led up to the Ultron? No, no, no. Um, in in the original Age Avengers movie, they referred to their project to make a bunch of Hydra weapons with the not the hypercube. What do they call it? The the tesseract. 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 Uh, a bunch of tesseract powered weapons. I think they called that phase two. Oh, uh, which, oh, oh, yeah. Loki and yeah. his and his plan with the phase. Two. Yes, yes, uh, yes. You are so, you are correct. You are you are definitely correct. So Salesforce, basically Salesforce is Hydra is what I'm trying to get there. It's clumsy, <laughs> I mean, but that's where I'm going. It's not a, it's not a bad analogy. Okay. So they could be setting up phase two. It could have just been death by committee, just pure unadulterated death by committee. Um, the other one that I think applies in both the Slack case and the, the Apple case is as companies grow and as they have more resources, they can put more focused attention into more and more places, more and more minute areas. And I mean, that's how, that's how bureaucracies are, are formed. And so somebody or some, um, some bodies somewhere, you know, their livelihood basically centered on in order to justify my existence, I have to do this rebuild. I have to do this refresh because I have to have a reason to be here. I have to, you know, justify, you know, my, my position's existence. And you get that's i think a that's a far larger driver of over engineering than i think most uh most companies and most employees would would care to admit and i can absolutely see a case where it's like well it doesn't really matter what it looks like it only matters that it's different because i don't really care i just need to change something so that i can say that i changed something which is just classic bureaucratic Thinking. Well, the other thing about it is that the the larger enterprises are the ones that can have dedicated functions for niche needs. Right. right? I think we agree on that. That's my point. But, like, do you actually need that niche? Well, your your niche? point is your point is do you need it? Right? right. Which is a valid question. My point is, but often those same enterprises have enough to fund those niches, but not enough to f- they don't fund them well. So you have a okay. bunch of teams that are either mediocre or under budget which means under staff or both mm-hmm. trying to coordinate all of their own little niches at the same time in an aggregate that's crap yeah <laughs> i mean that just leads yeah. to to broken bloatware really you know what i mean yeah I, I i i definitely i definitely agree with that i think that it's um i think it becomes more important as the companies get bigger to say no. You know, we've talked before about the importance of saying no to new features that only, you know, that only affect or impact, you know, the one customer and don't affect everyone 
um, you know, saying no to, you know, spending your time chasing, you know, running down rabbit holes and, and, and chasing the, the next hotness. And, you know, I think as the company becomes bigger, it becomes easier to say yes to things because you have more money. You're growing, like you're expanding. You have the capability to say yes to more things. And so it becomes inversely proportionately more important to say no to a lot of things so that you can continue to maintain focus on the things that absolutely matter because you have more opportunities to say yes you have to be leveraging no more often it, it it has to be more important otherwise you end up lost in the weeds and what does lost in the but weeds is, look like it looks like this crap slack ui interface it looks like your crap apple music player it, you and this is nothing by the way this is nothing unique to technology this no. is this is a problem of organizations clumps of people me me myself my personal opinion right I love governments and churches and unions and charities and companies and the list goes on, right? I hate large governments and churches and unions and charities and companies because when you reach that critical mass, to your point, you start to have all of these kind of uh, kind of self-serving niches yes, crop yes, up. And in aggregate, yep. at, in aggregate, the organization's energy shifts from its original purpose to its own purposes sustaining right? itself not, growing itself and it's not some yeah. it's not some grand conspiracy it is just the aggregate behavior of a bunch of self-interested people right which right. is human like that's not that's not wrong it just is it's just case. human nature yeah it's just human nature and i i yeah i totally i totally agree with you um for this for the slack thing just as a as a quick aside before we got too far away from it um if you open up the new Slack and you type Command Shift uh, S or on 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 Mac or Control Shift S on Windows, it'll actually get an extra vertical bar that puts all of your spaces back in place. It's still not the original UI. You still have three bars on the left hand side as opposed to two, and so it still feels kind of stupid. But at least you don't have to go fumbling through navigational elements to switch your Slack spaces anymore. So I just wanted to put that out there for anyone who didn't know about it. I found this online because- And you can see which icons have the uh, have the alerts. You can actually see, well, you can see your spaces. You can see which one has the alerts. You can one click to the various, it, it, it is the same interface as before, only now that there's a there's this third bar wedged in the middle that is- Yeah, <laughs> instead of being under- it's absolutely useless junk. It's just Which, such crap. Yeah. It's just such I would crap. I would be interested. I would be interested to to hear like what the internal conversation of why they wanted to do that. But And that people is what grinds my gears. I don't know while we're talking about Apple though, did you know that they invented titanium? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> did would, Al, hold the, on was al gore working there when he and he invented titanium he when was, he invented the internet too yeah well the i iphone i stands for internet right so that they <laughs> al gore and no apple invented we were watching the game the other night and just the number usually in the fall they have the new iphone event and they get excited because they think they're the first to do a bunch of stuff that the industry's been doing for half a decade and okay great pat them on their head sure. uh, but this year 
the number of ads seems to have exploded. I don't know whether the buys got cheaper because we're in a recessionary environment and the ad market takes a hit and they're capitalizing on it, or if their sales projections are so abysmal because nobody cares about the new iPhone that they feel like they need to plaster everything. Uh, but it's like a... It's like I'm being accosted by Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, have you heard about our Lord and Savior <laughs> Titanium? Like, every commercial is about Titanium. It's like the average consumer doesn't like that's your. You picked a different metal for the case. That's your. That's your compelling reason to upgrade again this year. Like, what are you doing, guys? Come on. Yeah, I. Uh, and they're not. You notice they're not nearly as smug about the USB charging because the Europeans forced them to do that. But the titanium, that was their idea. They invented titanium. That's <laughs> so dumb. They're not actually say I don't watch enough TV. They're not actually saying that they invented titanium, do they? In, in any way, no, shape, matter, no, or form. No, but they okay. are. No, but they are. I wouldn't put it past them. They are making <laughs> such a big deal about it. Like, I, I, we only see it because uh, we, wa we watch sports and then we see the commercials. And sports so that's ball. where we're exposed to it. Sports ball. Piggers. Um, Go Piggers. <laughs> I love the oatmeal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's just, it's like every other commercial from the edge of the universe now in titanium. It's just, it's so <laughs> over the top. Like, Nobody, you take a poll, you take a, 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 a man on the, Johnny on the street, a Johnny on the spot interview there with a bunch of people in Times Square. Nobody knows titanium versus steel versus the loop. What's it? I don't care. The phone's still outlandishly expensive and it doesn't do anything. And new it doesn't matter what the, Why do I care? It doesn't matter what it's made out of. Cause I still got to put the whole thing in a damn case anyway, to protect the screen from getting smashed because you know what? Forget, forget your case. Give me a titanium glass, okay? Could you give me a version of this where I don't need to fork out, you know, I, I have to buy the phone and then I have to go and find the case to match Spend the phone on, on a the case damn and a screen case protector. just to protect, the, to, to protect yeah. the phone. Why don't you protect the phone and I can just pay you the one time? Like, what is this crap? <laughs> it's just oh. nonsense. At least they stop. I will say this. At least they stopped making the stupid glass backed phones. Remember that? Remember they had that for a hot second. I think the Pixel did it. I'm not sure the iPhone ever did it, but there was uh, the, the the no the back iPhone back is the iPhone back is still glass. It's been that way for ever since they introduced the induction charging. I thought it was. Well, you just said it was. I haven't seen the new one. I figured the whole thing was the titanium. So wait a minute. So what part no, of the phone is titanium? Is it? Are we talking like the metal strip around the edge of the phone? Is it basically they have a titanium? Yeah, the frame. The, it's the not frame. even a frame. That's yeah. not a frame. That's a pinstripe. Okay, that is not a frame. It's like well, a no, that cord. goes. That it's, goes. It's unibody. So the the frame, the band around the edges is yeah. the most of what you see, and then there is a backer that goes through most of it. And I think there's a cutout for the charging coil, uh, and then a cutout for the the optic cluster. <laughs> Um, so it does go, it is a substrate that goes all the way through for the but most part. But then there's part, glass but, on the uh, back of that, you said. So it's actually well, a glass, glass on the back. You can't put metal in between the charging coil and the inductor because then it won't charge. So mm -hmm. yeah, the back has been glass since they introduced that. I think that was probably five years ago now. Um, but yeah, it's titanium. I don't know if you've ever heard Apple invented titanium. <laughs> it's pretty exciting news. Uh, I've seen a lot of commercials about it. Apparently there's a lot uh, of commercials. So, it's like, are you that hard up for material? Like you... Uh, what are you doing guys like I and and at the same time mm -hmm. I want like here's the problem they're on it 
they're on the quarterly earnings treadmill, just like every other company, right? Sure. And so they've got it. They've got to be seen innovating. They've got to be seen doing new Slack, has to introduce a new UI because they haven't had a press release in a while, whatever the reason is. It's just some of it, it is change for its own sake. If you look at the last oh, yeah. 10 years of oh, iPhones, yeah. the evolution, there is no reason for them to have had an annual iphone release oh no, no i mean they, they have they have reached that's, the plateau that's 10 phones plateaued. 10 phones in 10 years that probably could have been three or four with the actual material advancements that they made in between last year to this year iphone there's no there's nothing compelling about nothing it. nobody about, should buy this yeah. device if you, if you don't need one nobody should buy it and nobody is buying it and i think that's why they're dumping so much cash into ads now of course apple's got more money than god so they can do that without without too much pain um but yeah, so carbon's an atom, and Apple invented titanium. So that's, that's carbon our is an atom. I, I I really chemistry my, for the day. My seventh grade science teacher would be extremely disappointed in me for for failed you. The public I mean, school system failed oh you miserably. Gosh. You know, I still remember taking the. It's a good thing Drexel rejected you. <laughs> I tell you that much right now. You're such a jerk. Why, 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 why do you open these wounds? Why why do you wound me so? I still remember taking oh, uh, in seventh grade, we had a test uh, for the periodic chart of the elements and, you, and and it was, you know, you had to fill the chart in, you know, so you had to memorize that. And I remember studying like freaking mad for that. I sat and sat with sat with the teacher. I did after school to tutoring just because I like, I wasn't, I wasn't getting it and wasn't getting it. And I remember I eked by with it, but you know, ugh, what a pain in the ass. So yes, okay, carbon is definitely an atom and not a molecule. It makes molecules. Way to go! It does. Way to go, science it's, it's, Frank. It's, it's it's really good at making molecules. This is why which you is do why the science segments. This is why you do the science segments and not me. That's, it is. That's, well, that's, today's science segment is that Apple invented titanium. <laughs> I don't know if I've said that enough times. <laughs> Apple invented titanium. Did you know that? <laughs> Oh, so dumb. Science so dumb. Rules. <laughs> so dumb. Oh my gosh. Uh, um all right, so yes, yeah, um, so I have a follow-up. Yes. I have a go. I have a follow-up. Uh last uh last week week before um we had talked about uh we talked about Terraform like everybody. Yeah. Um well, after that I just found out there is a um Changelog, uh, which is another great. This is going to be my pick for the week. Changelog podcast. If you don't listen to that, you you should. I think that's, you have that's picked that offense. several. I times, may have, but that's you know um, what you really like it, and you've already picked this. Okay, so uh, Changelog podcast, super augmented, silent, and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. Okay, go. I'll narrow the scope of this to episode five fifty eight. Uh, okay. They have uh, Steve O'Grady joined, and he's a guy that knows a lot about licensure, um, and it's a long form discussion about like what is the definition of open source, why it is. Oh. Like they go, they they talk about this in, and of course the changelog is all about open source, so you would expect that level of quality. Um, they, uh, if if that if that discussion from a week or two go interests anybody, highly recommend. Uh, changelog five five eight. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it's a it's a longer form discussion of somebody way smarter than us. Uh, really gives a good <laughs> rundown of exactly it's like some of the nuance involved there. Um, and then and then some other. Did they come to discussion. any conclusions? Did they any any opinions drawn or things like that about how? how um, they basically, his take, uh, and he's kind of like a like a strong opinion, loosely held kind of guy. The the take my kind of guy. The takeaway germane to our conversation the other week is uh 
his concern is not necessarily that HashiCorp changed the license. Uh, his concern is that with every company that does this, it degrades, op- it, it hurts open source as a whole. And so in aggregate, what does that do to the open source community uh, if this continues to happen? Um, and he offers a, he offers mm-hmm. a fairly... Uh, a fairly stern defense of the 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 actual definition of open source and why that's worth being very specific and picky about uh, and the benefit that that has uh, brought to the community over the last forty years. Um, it's, it's it's a nice it's a, it's a thoughtful conversation. Uh, there's 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 a lot of pragmatism uh, and a lot of experience uh, shown. Um, yeah, I, I will. Um I actually have a, a small update to that. I was <laughs> so funny you say that. I was going to bring this up. Um, reacting to that little tidbit that you, that you gave there, understanding that there's a lot more to the to the story, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like the concern that you know of this how this this type of behavior, if this becomes more pervasive, this will be detrimental to open source. I'm not sure I totally buy into that because. To me, the the whole notion of open source this is auto this is all I see this as almost a self self leveling auto correcting kind of situation because mm-hmm. open so. source by the well open source by its definition it, it, it's it's not a club that you have to get into it's it's just it's just the space out there and so as companies move themselves out of open source that does not preclude others from moving back into it you know uh, and I think that there's actually some evidence that you know, even in this Terraform scenario, the uh, the OpenTF project uh, has been accepted by the Linux Foundation, I think. Well, so one of his, uh, I think CNCF, uh, not Linux Foundation, CNCF, but, but yes, one of yeah. his one of his points is that this is this is not uncommon that this kind of a license change results in a fork, and he actually has some commentary at one point that like oftentimes those forks don't really turn into much. Like it's not it like in practice, we have not seen a strong history of the forks, quote unquote, winning. Um, You just see companies not using it at all uh, because it's not open source because his I think that I think the most incisive thing I'm going to try to remember it as as best I can. His most incisive um, piece of like wisdom was the definition of open source. Ah, I'm going to. I'm going to mess it up. no, never mind. I'm I'm gonna I, I can't I can't remember it where I'm gonna wind up. Uh, so I did um, I did want to just double down confirm it is the Linux Foundation. So Linux Foundation. It is the Linux Foundation. So okay. Linux Foundation. I thought it was CNCF for some reason. It also has <laughs> has the best name in the world. Open Tofu is the name of the yeah. project. Yeah. Fan, fantastic. I had uh, I immediately saw that and I immediately th- had a a deep cut memory going back to the. Uh, cartoon show Doug on Nickelodeon there was a fictitious band in the show called the beats and their key song their their headline song was killer tofu and oh. <laughs> for I mean I was probably 14 or 15 at the time and that was like that was that was it man like everybody killer knew tofu that show was living, knew huh? the t- killer tofu song and <laughs> um so yeah open open tofu I so I'll respond, I'll, I'll respond to that bit about the, uh, you, you know, okay, they forked it and nothing really happened with the fork and people just kind of moved on. Um, 
well, they moved on to what? So they went somewhere. So, you know, the, the market is being serviced somewhere, somehow. If it's not by the open source product and it's not by the team who, you know, did their nefarious license change, um, dubious license change, then where do they go? They went somewhere. Controversial. Let's, let's, controversial. Yeah, controversial. They went somewhere. So they're being serviced somehow, or the need actually changed. And this actually forced evolution inside the, uh, inside the industry. I mean, we've seen that kind of stuff happen already, although not due to licensing necessarily, but, you know, the move away from deployment automation, things like Chef and Puppet and Ansible, we move to uh, state management, things like Terraform. And then I mentioned Kamal, which is kind of an evolution even past that. You could even say that that's a, a step forward. So I, I, I don't know if that would necessarily be a concern, but I'm also of the opinion, I don't necessarily immediately think bad, you know, when I hear when I hear the word monopoly, my head immediately doesn't start going in the background, okay? Like that's that's not where my head automatically goes because a monopoly exists because a, a company, a service is delivering the goods to that to that market. If they are unable to do so or you know there are weaknesses in it, we have enough structure in place generally speaking, to allow competitors to to get in and to make inroads. Um, you know, like Amazon. You could argue that Amazon is a monopoly, but I mean, anybody can build a store and, and lots of places do. Amazon stays where they're at because of the services they provide and how good they are and how robust they are. Um, uh, you know, this is not an, I, I'm not coming to the defense of the, you know, of the, of, of the corporatists and things like that. I'm just speaking in broad market terms. So bringing this back to where, where we started with the, with the open source and the, and the licensing and things like that. It, it, if they're, if they're servicing the market and the market's getting what they need, what they need, great. If they're not, especially in a world where open source exists, like something's going to come along. Like it, it, like somebody's gonna. I have a need. I'm gonna get it taken care of. Somebody's gonna figure that out. It could be the first company with the license with the controversial licensing. It could be uh, someone else. It could be an open source. But like, I, I feel like your problem. I think your problem seems to center on on what's happening tactically yeah and that's not the issue at hand mm. right because like source available exists open core exists like these these other licensing models exist they have forever there's no problem with that. i don't think anybody's got moral ethical concerns well all right rms would um have any moral ethical concerns with those the problem is trading on the goodwill brand that is open source, a legally mm. defined term. True. Yep. For something that does not meet the definition of that term. And so the a lot of people feel like there have been now many bait and switches where a product is open source, benefits by thousands of hours, tens of thousands of hours, by hundreds or thousands of contributors trading on the goodwill benefit of open source mm -hmm. then decides to change the license for their own selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and okay. I'm not saying selfish reasons as a slander, right? Like 
self-interested. Hashicorp is a business and and they want self-interested, selfish. They're, they're the same meaning. Hashicorp exists so that Hashicorp can continue existing. Mm-hmm. It's their code. They're free to relicense and it. And they did, they want. As, we yeah. dis- as we discussed the other week, they actually removed the term open source from their document, which is fine. Um, they haven't done anything wrong but I think people are becoming increasingly wary of the pro- the danger to open source more broadly when this happens is that people become more wary to contribute their free time to projects because they can be rug pulled by a corporation. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I've 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 uh you know, I've contributed open source projects uh both with time, with code, with money, you have as well. Uh I'm I am both a capitalist dog and a huge open source supporter and 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 advocate. Um, the The problem, though, is that open source is a specific legal legal definition, and there's a lot of companies trying to operate in the gray area where even if they're not saying it's open source, like they try to bet they try to trade on that goodwill um, when they're not. And these these reversals like this, I just I think they just leave ultimately to kind of no matter where you come at it, they leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Maybe yeah, not. They everybody. definitely do. Yeah. A lot it of was people gross. have bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. So, so even if it's not wrong, immoral, illegal, unethical, it's gross. Uh, and then the second thing is I, we use one of my teams uses Terraform starting as the instant we have the opportunity, we're going to be using open tofu. Yeah. And there's no, because the lawyers don't, the one, this is one of the other things he points out. Open source is a legal definition. Licensing is a very well understood domain and lawyers do not like ambiguity. So if you're working for, if you're, if you're a personal, like private, like I have a, I have a side project that I hack on once a year. I can use whatever I want. Nobody cares if it's AGPL, it's MIT. I don't care. I'll use it. It's fine. It's like, I'm not making money off it. It's a labor of love. I'm not, it's never going to be anything other than a side project. And I'm the only one that's ever going to care about it, frankly. Um, as a business leader, I don't touch AGPL. As a business leader, right. I don't. There, are, there are licenses that I do not touch, and these uh, with the, the BSL, I can't. I won't touch that because how do I? First of all, what is competition? That's actually a gray area. Right. They yeah. say, oh, you can use this as long as you don't compete with us. That's a gray area. My attorneys are not going to like that. Mm-hmm. And secondly. How do I know how our business and theirs is going to grow in five years that we won't wind up meeting somebody's definition of competition? Like the gray area, not worth it. So we'll, we'll pull, we'll pull upstream Terraform out and then we'll go to open tofu because it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the, 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 yeah. you know, the ambiguity there. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I recommend it's it's five five eight of of changelog. I'll link it. Um, but it's a really good it's a really good long form just because the guys guys clearly knows what he's talking about. He makes some really good arguments, and it's not just HashiCorp and Amazon are evil, and you know Open Tofu and whatever happened to Elk is is good. It's not like a <laughs> he's not a he's he's not like an ideologue. He's got a, just a really pragmatic way to to think about it that I think people would would be better to to have heard. Um, yeah. That's good. I, I, it's it's a good recommendation. Um, you have you have brought them up several times. I listen to very. <laughs> I find very little time to listen to podcasts. It's probably something I should make time. Oh my for, gosh, dude! The change log that I that I have listened to, I've liked. Um, but I just uh, not not enough hours in the day, man. Just not enough hours. No, in the day. I have 
I have I I'm, I have a backlog of like thirty. I I delete a bunch every day because I I have so many subscriptions and I never get time to listen to them. I ba- I barely get time to listen to our episode after the rough draft, so I can write the notes for the damn website. I, I'm much less somebody else's jabber. I like when I was when I was younger, we didn't have kids or didn't have as many kids. You know, you have as much you have all the free time in the world. Man, I was listening to so much podcast. I was learning so much. It was great. And now. Now I'm just a cranky old man setting my ways and I'm yelling at the dog all the time. You know, that's just my <laughs> old man yells at cloud is basically it. Old man, old man yells at cloud. I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday, like the old man yells at cloud because that did occur to me like, oh yeah, like why, like I have not adopted nearly as much new technology say in the last five years as I did the five years prior. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Right? Like, seriously, mm-hmm. why okay. I'm a technologist, technology was a passion and a hobby and an interest way before it was a career for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love tinkering. I love learning. I love coding. I love, I love that the problem solving and that the challenge of it all. Um, so why is the technology that I use day to day basically no different than it was five or 10 years ago? Part of it is the time because I don't have mm-hmm. the same time to go and explore and learn. And I think that may be part of the dynamic where that if I can generalize, right, the the stereotype that older technologists are slower to change or or somehow resistant, which I don't think is correct. Uh, it's just we don't have necessary because of not just professional, but maybe because of personal reasons, Both, we don't have yeah. as much time to explore and tinker as we used to, right? Priorities mm-hmm. change and so forth. That could be a part of it. Um, Never thought of it that way. That's true. That and then sense. I was thinking the other thing is that, um, like, I sit here if I'm going to click file new on a project tomorrow. Uh, I could spend a ton of time learning some new technology stack for this, right? And mm-hmm. that's what I would have done 10 or 15 years ago. I would have said, hey, what's new? What's happening? What's hot? Um, but now it's much more important to me that I can use the time productively mm-hmm. rather than in an exploratory fashion. And so, And so to me, if I'm going to click file new tomorrow, am I going to roll just Rails new? Or am I going to go and spend time figuring out where the market's moving, looking at the new technology, assessing it, playing with it, learning the mistakes? I, I could basically get Hello World running with that before I could be halfway done building my application with something I already know. And so right. I think there's a little bit of like, what's your, are you doing this for the fun of it? Which I still think is important. And I still think we all like to do, or are you doing it to get a job done? And I think once you hit a certain point in your career, once you hit a certain level of experience, you're really more concerned with using the technology to get a job done. And so yeah. it's actually like there's, and I'm not saying always just use what you know, because if we all only ever use what we know, we'd all still be in diapers, right? That's a, that's a we'd reductive. We'd still always still be writing basic um, and assembly. But <clears throat> no, but I mean, as humans, right? yes. we, we yeah, would yeah, still yeah. be in diapers, right? We so, literally, so, yeah, you have to grow. But yeah. there's, I think, I think that's where I'm coming into like, there's an ROI calculation. Like, like what is the advantage of building this technology what time do I have? And then do I have the time budget? Do I have the risk budget to go and make this exploratory and have some fun? Or do I just need to get the dang thing out the door? The danger is if you're making the latter choice too often, you are going to get stuck in 20-year-old technology You'll, before you fall you behind. Know it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you fall behind. So I think the key is to, fu- I mean, it's, it's balance. It, these things, we, we like to think... 
we technologists like to think in very binary terms. It's on or it's off. You know, no, we don't. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong. I'm right. I'll give you that one. It's on or it's off. It's right or it's wrong. It's a great idea. It's a horrible idea. And what we failed. Well, it's, it was my idea or it's a horrible idea. Let's be specific with our <laughs> Or it was your idea. Glad I had it. You know, yeah. it's, that's the other one. That's the other one. Um, <laughs> what I, um, what I have tried to keep, what I try to keep in mind now all the time. And I, I try to preach to others too, when and where it makes sense is that the, there is no absolute there. There is no, cutoff point. There is no you know, binary decision. It is all sliding scale. And, and where you land on that sliding scale changes with the day, the project, the situation. Yeah. And recognizing that it's a sliding scale mm-hmm. and then allowing yourself to adjust it and then commit based on the adjustment. Because that's really, I mean, that's really what the engineer wants. The engineer mindset Okay, need solution, find solution, go and and build and fix and solve problem, next problem. Understanding that that starting point is going to be different based on the situations. I think that's the most critical piece. And that's where we all fall short because we all just want to get to the, want to get to the problem solving bit. I think, I think a lot. There's the, I mean, there's the interest, there's the tinkering, um, but when you're trying to get a thing done, that that obviously takes a back seat. So anyway, sliding scale here is you know some, finding some some balance. Um, we've talked we talked last week or the week before about um, hot wire. Uh, I, I remain a, mm-hmm. a a committed devotee to this. I really do think that this is gonna. It, it, I mean, if this goes, if the open source you think market, it's got legs, yeah. I really do. I really think this is gonna eat React in view. I really, really do. It's gonna take some time because React has now. Like you look at enterprise level web application development, it's like it's all React, and so like there's yeah. there's serious corporate level entrenchment. If you're talking capital now. E, it's gonna be it's gonna be .NET and React for a for a while. It's still gonna be .NET and React, but I I really do think that this thing could replace it over time because it just it it just simplifies the entire setup. I mean, you could do .NET and and Hotwire. That's entirely possible. Um, it's just an efficiency gain that that cannot be denied. Um, and so, you know, working on a side project, I wanted to do the side project, but I really like this hot wire thing. And so I spent the time, I sort of mm-hmm. split it. Like I'm, I'm getting my thing done, but I also got this little piece carved out where, okay, yeah. I'm not moving as fast as I could using some other tools, but I'm learning this thing which yeah. will carry me forward, I I think and hope. Or, you know, well, it's and at least lever- still and interesting. To your point about being a sliding scale, leveraging this thing on top of a whole mountain of technology you were familiar with, Super right? You're stable, still rolling right. a Rails app. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, for one piece of this, I'm going to take a chance on the new technology and I'm going to take the time to learn it. Um, and so it can, you're right, the thinking that we have to be binary, right? Okay, so I've always written things with .NET and Angular. And so if I want to do anything new, uh, it's got to be JavaScript everywhere, right? And whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah. it's like... Take a p- I think we actually talked about this maybe a, a couple of months ago. We wound up in a spot where we're like, hey, uh, try to have enough time and risk budget on every project to just tinker with one new thing. Well, isn't that, I right? mean, isn't that a policy that you actually tried to implement? Didn't you actually set that up so that your 
team could actually try to adopt something new going into projects? I seem to recall not that as being a, the genesis of this conversation. Not as a f- not as a formal policy, like not as a like a documented policy, but yeah, like uh, when we're talking about the project, when we're talking about the the architecture and design, if somebody mm-hmm. somebody's got a passion, somebody sees an opportunity to leverage something new that'll that'll actually drive results, then yeah, let's like let's, but not too many things at once, right? You've got right. to be you can't do too many things because then you won't like actually my, make progress on the thing. My side project has been. My side project has been in progress since probably 2003, and I've done four new can like complete rewrites of the darn thing. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's a toy. It's a yeah. it's a pastime, right? Yeah. Um, and I can introduce whatever I want because if it's it could be risky because nobody depends on it. Right, uh, doesn't matter. In a business environment like you got stakeholders, you got a budget, you got a timeline. There's expectations there. You got to you know fall in line with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do, no, it's not, not a formal policy, but I do try to make sure that folks also, the other thing I say this all the time to people, um, how many times you, you, you know, and this is not like project initiation design stuff. This is like later on, um, you come up with your projection. You say, well, look, we think this is going to take six months and your stakeholder says, well, we actually really need it in five. Um, what is the default? Well, well, developers really like writing code. And they like writing that code well, and they want to get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And so if you leave developers, and I'm being stereotypical, but if you leave developers to themselves, because I know I'm this way, uh, you leave us to our own devices and say you got to shave a month off of your six, the tests and documentation are going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And I've been very clear with my team that if we need to shorten the timeline, we need to reduce the scope because it is not it is not the purview of the stakeholder. It is not the purview of the customer. It's not even the purview, in my opinion, and this could be controversial, of the CTO to say that we are going to, uh, that we're going we're gonna, to uh, degrade our testing and documentation to make up the timeline. No, the scope reduces because skimping the documentation and testing is tantamount to malpractice. And that is not like that. You have a certain amount of testing and documentation that go along with a certain amount of writing code. And if you need your timeline to shrink, the answer is write less code because the testing and documentation is not on the table for debate. I take a rather hard line with that. I don't know if you have like a similar, maybe a more pragmatic approach that gets you in less trouble than me, but I'm like, I'm fairly vehement about that at this point because (laughs) otherwise the whole world is filled with a bunch of code that got out on time that nobody knows how to operate. Nobody knows how to introspect. Nobody can change confidently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. New people can't learn. You know, you've seen this at places. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't know where that tangent came from. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, oh, we're talking about the the risk budget for the new projects and stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, all true. I have nothing to add. I think that was pretty good. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. I had something, I had something fun and different that we haven't done before that I think we could turn into some, some, some podcasty, um, uh, we, 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 we can make, we can make this work. We can make this work. I, I hate think. it. Go on. <laughs> the suspense is terrible. He, he's going to go this time. I hope it'll last. So I found, uh, somebody shared with me, uh, this great website, with a, a program called 
the password game. And so I thought that I've already done it, but I thought we could have Chris here play the password game while Uh-oh. we while we uh, like stay at home and, uh, and and sort of play along with him. Um, <laughs> Do I so, just Google the password game? Uh, no, I'm going to send you the if you go to the Slack that uh, okay. take a look at that, um, you'll see uh, scroll up. You'll see the password game. Oh, okay. Okay. Password so, game. Yeah, so password games. You can pull that up. Choose a password. Okay. So choose a password. And then you need to uh, read off the prompts as you go. Uh oh, no, rule two, your password must include a number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh the, the digits in your password must add up to twenty-five. It's gotta Ooh. have that entropy, man. Uh four. Uh, six. Okay. Your password must include what is, a month of the year. <laughs> wow. What is your password currently? Like, what are you, what are you at right now? What does it actually say? I'm on rule eight. No, 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 no. Like wh- the password that you have, the, the password you have typed, what, what do you actually have in the box there? Oh, I did. I did uh capital S. Okay. Summer, summer is fine. Hashtag. Okay. All right. And so what, what uh, rule are you And now to? it's summer is fine. Hashtag 1996 October. Okay. I'm sorry, nine, 1996. Yeah, October. Uh-huh. Uh, wait, one seven. Sorry, it's... Wait, now it's saying it's not adding up to 25. <laughs> Eight, nine, two. Why is... Okay, hang on. I got to fix my numbers. They don't add... Nine and nine is 18... <laughs> I, this, this is absurd. This is you do just ha- absurd. You do have to solve this problem. Though. October. Okay. Uh, summer is fine. Hashtag 996 October. Uh, 997 October. There's 25. Okay. October. It must include a Roman numeral. Okay. <laughs> now I'd add an I. It must include one of our sponsors. <laughs> Who are your sponsorship Shell. choices? <laughs> uh, Pepsi, Starbucks, and Shell. <laughs> Uh, the Roman numerals in your password should multiply to 35. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So I can't use I. 35 is what? Six times five? How do you? <laughs> XIV? That would be. No. XVI. That would, uh, I forget how I solved this one. <laughs> the Roman numerals should multiply to 35. I think I saved it somewhere. Uh, I might be able to find it. All right. Five and... Three and three. No, it's not accepting this. Uh, uh, maybe you need a space. Between maybe I have them. to separate them. Yeah, I think I need, need to separate. separate them. So if I do a five there, maybe a dash or something, or put uh, it earlier in, the, in there. there. <laughs> oh, five times seven, not five times six. It's thirty-five. Oh, your password must include this captcha. Seven three <laughs> mhx. But that's wrong somehow. Why, why is this you may need to refresh that capture. Hey, M- how many pictures in there are bicycles? <laughs> <laughs> the digits in your password must add up to 25, but they do. Oh, are because they? the captcha includes numbers. It messed up my <laughs> adding to 25. 10. Now they need to be 15. So that's nine and six. Okay. Your password must include today's wordle answer. <laughs> I give up. I'm on rule 11. I give up. I'm not doing a wordle real time. 
That's absurd. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I think I actually. That's did the what wor- it feels like, though. I'm pretty sure you know, I did the, the wordle. Reason- I can't forget what comes next. <laughs> The reason that this is so hilarious is that that's actually what it feels like. <laughs> that's actually what it feels that's, like. That's and what, then, yeah. And then, and then in direct violation of NIST special publication <laughs> 800-63B section 5.1.1.4, it requires you to change it every 90 days. So you got to play this stupid game every quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Movable printed type. <laughs> I will take. I will take that argument to the grave. I, it's I my, that's my. Uh, it's probably my favorite hobby horse at this point because it's so. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So yes, the uh the the the, pa- the password game uh, I'll <laughs> I'll I'll send the link for the sh- for the show notes. It's uh it's 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 fun. And, you know, the part of it that absolutely drives me nuts is you could drop all that crap and just make your password a sentence with spaces longer. I mean, you can just you can go pure length, but you could also make it extremely memorable. You know, make it make yeah. it a sentence, a word, a phrase with with spaces and like a period or any kind of you know a yeah. common middle or technically apostrophe, it, and it could would, just be it could just be all lowercase smashed together it can be line from song that. like length length beats everything every yeah. single time yeah. um because because password strength indicators don't use actual entropy calculations they use these arbitrary rules that came from 1999 uh, well i have seen the entropy ones they do exist they yeah. are they are not pervasive enough and Z- ZXCVB was the one yes, the canonical. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that still exists, and and you can use that. But so many of these companies, they follow these rules that I don't know. Somebody told them, like on the playground. No, I don't even know where the no, hell they get them from. They get them from the compliance frameworks. They get them from Ugh. FinRAMP and HIPAA and FedRAMP. Like that's where they come from. Uh, that they're not, they're not, they don't come from common sense. They come from policies designed by committees. Right. And those take so much time to update and fix. Then you wind up with a situation where we've known for the better part of a decade that requiring password changes is actually an anti pattern. And yet all the, regulatory requirements still list that and so we're still doing it like a bunch of dum-dums let's throw a link to the uh it was zx X, xkcd zxcvb i think it's called Z- i that repo is actually not maintained anymore i think they oh. gave up on it damn um, had the right idea even if that library is not in use anymore it, it had it's still the right idea to this day maybe there's somebody um, else who's got one yeah. Anyway. Uh, so if you have any commentary on this special publication, 800-63B, Section 5, uh, we would love to hear it. And uh, we'd counting? also love to... But who's counting? We'd also love to see your... Uh, your fine, I will finish the password game. Uh, well, I'll put that in there. We'd love to see your... Uh, your final your, passwords. your finished passwords yeah <laughs> yeah yeah if if you don't if you don't off your if you don't unalive yourself by the end of this game it's just it's hitting too hard for me uh we would we would love that um uh, feedback at refactor.work is where you can send all that you could voice record and ask us some questions give us some feedback that way we'll play it on the show uh refactor.work is our primary um Primary homepage online, uh, back episodes, archives, show notes, recommendations. Uh, you can find me more of me online at chris.tonkinson.com and more of Frank at hotcoles, K-O-H-L-S.com. 
And best of my knowledge, this has been episode 116 of The Refactored Show, recorded September 29th, 2023. Thanks, Frank. See you, bud.